Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the September 25th episode. Neither of us remember anything from our reading. (laughs) We'll see where this goes. I feel like lately I've been reading it in huge chunks because I've saved it. And this week I didn't do that. Like I read it. I, I feel like I missed things. I had the same experience. I don't really feel like anything really stuck. I highlighted a lot, but I didn't take a lot of notes. In the second Samuel, there was so much of me like going back and forth to try to get the characters straight. Like there mm. were so many names yes. and like leadership swapping out and people switching sides. And so maybe that's part of it too. Like I was just trying really hard to get all the characters straight. Who was on what side? Yeah. So maybe that's why I was distracted by that in the second Samuel story. So we left off last week where David doesn't want Absalom around. He won't even see him face to face. Joab is then like, this has gone on long enough and convinces David. So Joab goes and brings Absalom back to the presence of the king and mm-hmm. David kisses him. Um, he bows in reverence before King David and the king kissed Absalom. And then and then like the very next chapter is where you start to see Absalom basically he was hearts. he spent four years winning the hearts yes. of the kingdom yes. by judging yep. at the city gates. Yeah. And just kind of taking on that leadership role. He's like, Oh, yeah. I'll sit here and But yeah, in a very manipulative way. He's been planning this for yep. four years, basically. And then after four years, and he ends up setting himself up against Jerusalem, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then somebody lets David know that something's up. And David is like, David leaves the city, right? Yep. And sends spies mm-hmm. to where Absalom is to find out what's going on. David runs. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. He leaves. And Ahithophel, which was David's, this is something I thought was interesting. He was David's advisor, but he ends up taking the side of Absalom and becoming Absalom's advisor. And David's request to the Lord is that yes. up until this point had been really wise. He had been giving really, really wise counsel to David, like yes. from the Lord. And so then he switches sides and David's request of the Lord is that he would confuse his counsel, basically that he would whatever counsel. Draw that just to an application. What an obvious prayer to pray but I would never think to pray something like right. that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it makes me think like, how many things do I not think to pray for that God could easily fix? Yeah. I think it's hard for me to, this is Old Testament. Like there's so many imprecatory prayers, like, you know, kill the enemy. People are begging <laughs> God for this. And so like, I have such a hard time. I mean, New Testament, we love our enemies. When I hear this of David, I'm like, well, yeah, that's an obvious prayer, but there's a part of me that still feels icky. I would want to do that. I don't know that I would be bold enough to ask God to do that. Yeah. You, but you spend more time thinking about how right. you're like unworthy and unworthy. And, and, yes. and yes, as opposed right. to like, I'm, I'm a friend of God who's on my side. 
I mean, I am those, I am both of those things. Like I'm a friend of God is still wrapped up in the unworthiness and the fact that the only reason I'm a friend of God is because of Christ. Which so it like, should be. Right. But, but I like think if David's you spend more pers- time in the unworthy yes. part, you are more unlikely to think to ask God for his favor. I yes, I think you're right. Definitely how you tend to see yourself in relation to God impacts the way that you pray. It has to. It's so interesting the way, like, (laughs) I feel like this is coming back to the same place that we always come back. Both and. Yes. I feel like that needs to be a new theme word. Forget the come and see, just both and. (laughs) Both and. So this was a while ago, probably a couple of months ago. Our pastor has been going through Ephesians. There was a sermon. It was actually the week after he preached our Ephesians 3 verses Mm -hmm. that are our dive collective verses. He preached through those. And then the following week, one of the things he was talking about was just how like weak our prayers are. Like Mm -hmm. we don't give God the credit. He's capable of so much more than we're asking him for, you know? And so there's that side of it too. Like I definitely see, I don't ask God for huge things. And a lot of that is probably wrapped up in what we were just talking about, but also I forget how big he is. My faith in relation to his greatness, like that's such a huge gap. Yes. So like, even while we're talking about this, there's that flip side of, I mean, ask God. Ask him. Ask him. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hi, I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know about a couple of great resources we have for you. First, did you know that we have two podcasts? I know it's confusing, but we have this one, the recap, where we highlight our takeaways from the Bible reading plan. But we also have one called the Dive Collective Podcast, on which we highlight the gifts and talents and stories of our members. We have three great interview episodes already up, but we have more coming soon. So you're going to want to access those on both Google and the Apple Podcast platforms. We also have a couple of excellent free Bible reading resources on our website at divecollective.org. When you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get weekly emails with a devotion to start your week and a free download of the Bible reading plan. And we also have a dive guide in the shop. So check the shop out too while you're there. So head on over to divecollective.org to grab your free resources soon. Even with, I had a a, kind of a neat testimony with my, my relationship with my sister was rough for a really long time. And we, and finally we got on the phone and we were like, for whatever reason it occurred to us, maybe we should pray before we talk. And I remember praying that like whatever was between her mouth and my ears and my mouth and her ears would translate. Yeah. would translate mm-hmm. that like whatever was blocking that because mm-hmm. our hearts were definitely not being communicated. The words were going through, but they were right. twisted into something that automatically made us hear offense. That was a breakthrough prayer because the conversation that happened afterwards was a really healing conversation. And I, there was a lot of healing that took place after that, that, so anyway, that's what makes me think of when I think mm-hmm. of David's prayer for that, that he would change his counsel to foolishness. It is pretty brilliant. What else do we have in Second Samuel? Okay, so I have a note. Joab kills Absalom in chapter 18. Mm-hmm. And David loved Absalom. Even though he had done these terrible things, he didn't want him killed. Mm-hmm. And so I was just m- remarking on how we are seeing God's heart in David's heart again. It's his son. It doesn't his love for his son doesn't change based on his behavior mm-hmm. as bad as it gets. God's love toward us never changes no matter mm-hmm. what we do and how bad it gets, even in affronts to him directly. Yeah. Right. Cause this is so personal. Yeah. yeah. So personal. 
but even Joab's behavior that he thinks that like he knows justice better than than David. Then again, you see a another symbolism of God's love at the very end of chapter 18, where the king was stunned, heartbroken. He wept up, he went up to the room over the gate and wept. As he wept, he cried out, Oh, my son Absalom, my dear, dear son Absalom, why not me rather than you? My death and not yours. Oh, Absalom, my dear son. Absalom was an atrocious human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say atrocious. Like he loved his sister. Like all of this came from a desire for justice for his sister. So like he's, right. he's human. He's not atrocious. He's us. <laughs> right. He's, yes, he's relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, but he does all of these crazy wicked things like against his father and his father's prayer at the end is like, he would rather have died than his son mm-hmm. die. And that that's such a reflection of our father who in mm-hmm. fact did die so that we didn't have to die. Mm-hmm. So cool. It also makes me wonder a little bit, just as you're talking like we talked before about how terrible of a dad David must have been and how he handled that whole situation. Yes! But yes! I wonder if David finally now is like, shoot, I get it, Absalom, right? Because like you said, all of this comes out of Absalom trying to get vengeance for his sister. Like, I'm sure because I'm sure Absalom, the way that he related to David was probably bound up in the bitterness he felt towards David for having yes. done nothing. I just was like thinking while you were talking, I wonder if David's maybe recognizing mm-hmm. that Absalom had some, uh, what's the word? He was, he was righteous a little in, bit in some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So chapter 19 is where Joab rebukes the king. They come back from war and David's grieving over his son, but they've totally like taken back the kingdom for David. And Joab's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Get it together because yeah. you're disheartening all of these people who went and fought a war for you. For you. Yes. Yes. Which is funny coming from Joab's mouth. Who's the one that actually caused. The and group. that's not ever revealed. Like, I don't think David doesn't know that Joab's the one that killed Absalom. Right. That doesn't come up. Oh, I think you're right. I there's a, there's no that. like in this, unless we just don't have that part of the story. But if, if the fact that it's not said in here means it wasn't actually ever said, Joab does not own up to being the one that killed Absalom. It's definitely not in here. And war broke out again between the Philistines and Israel. David and his men went down to fight. David became exhausted. I highlighted And they asked him not to come anymore. Yeah. I wish I knew how old he was. Yeah. That was one of my... He dies shortly, a couple chapters later. Yeah, because we're getting to the end of Second right. Samuel. Yeah, good point. So he was—he's old. David became exhausted. They're fighting Goliaths. Yeah. Yep. Anywho, I have probably <laughs> like nothing in Ezekiel. Yeah, me neither. I highlighted a few things, but it was really just like God's wrath and against both Israel. It was like rough talk too. I mean, he's yeah. like, they're whores. Yeah. Yes, it was graphic this week. I have a lot of questions. So Ezekiel left me with a lot of questions. I have little to say, except God is clearly mad. Oh yeah. There's this one part. It makes me think of what we were talking about, talking about in Mark six. It's like a training ground for the disciples, sort of Mm -hmm. like a teaching about what's in store when you become a servant of God and the exhaustion, um, but that God meets us in it. Uh, But talking about John being like the, such a great example of the ultimate sacrifice when you give your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. 
So Ezekiel in chapter 24, God's message came to me, son of man. This is in verse 15. I'm about to take from you the delight of your life. A real blow, I know, but please, no tears. Keep your grief to yourself. No public mourning. Get dressed as usual and go about your work. None of the usual funeral rituals. And then his wife dies. Yeah. And he's not allowed to mourn. And the people are like, what are you doing? And he, and it was basically just supposed to be a picture of what was, mm-hmm. he's going to take away the delight of their life, which is Jerusalem. Right. The sanctuary. Yeah. For, along with, yeah. So he's going to take away their sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Man, Ezekiel. I don't even know how to respond to that, honestly. Yeah. Following God does not promise an easy life. It promises the opposite. Like Jesus, mm-hmm. like it's a life of suffering. He was a suffering servant, just as we are called to be suffering servants. Mm-hmm. But he meets us in it every time he meets us in the middle of it. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way to explain it. You have to live it. And then you know it. Like, which leads us to Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Yep. It was what I felt like there's lots, especially in this, in second Corinthians, there's lots of like weeding through because it's so personal, like to this one specific church. Yeah. 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 So just how like he's explaining, I don't remember the context, but he was, he's explaining this one thing that's applicable because it's like specific to their situation in yeah that there's church, this one know? guy that yeah. was insane and, yeah. right that's right mm-hmm. um so i kind of i don't think i've ever read second corinthians like that before but this time and i definitely feel like i flew through it which i think we're kind of doing that in this anyway but there definitely have been places where i've been sucked in a little yes. bit more than others this is not one of them i don't think i was sucked into second corinthians i'm kind of no. like have i ever even read it before and why would i read it this is except that i mean there's there are different, there's like little gems stuck in here and there, right. but mostly it's like him speaking directly to them about their thing, which, which is about him and them. It's, there's a lot about giving and providing yeah. for, and that's all convicting. So I just went right past that. Cause that's not nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about being generous. And- <laughs> right. It's not nice. It makes me want to, it makes me curious to actually like dig in and study it because it's yeah. so it's so specific. So it, it feels like it's harder to find those things that are personal and so one of the things that stood out like that, one of those individual like gems would have been in chapter 10, 15 through 18. It says, we're not barging in on the rightful work of others, interfering with their ministries, demanding a place in the sun with them. What we're hoping for is that as your lives grow in faith, you'll play a part within our expanding work. And we'll all still be within the limits God sets as we proclaim the message in countries beyond Corinth. That to me was Dive Collective. I feel like we're at that place now where we're starting to find that people are longing to do his work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that there's no competition in that. It's just about like finding opportunities and places for people to come along, just expand the work. God is already expanding the work. So putting the people in the places to help do that is just so ridiculously exciting. So that's, Mm -hmm. that was kind of a neat little gem that was directed at them, but I was like, that really fits kind of where we're at and what I've been thinking a lot about. Nobody's looking for a place in the sun. We're just looking to be a part of an ever expanding ministry. Mm-hmm. Mine says, we have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged, yes. which is exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. 
so good. I love oh, that's so much better even than this. I would I need to go look that up and that would be a great members quote to post. Mm. Yeah, I feel like so that like, kind of sums up what we are hoping to do right now. Like Yeah. Yep. So then another one, another little gem is in chapter nine, verse 11. Let's go with 11. It says, this most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. That was again, kind of a fishes and loaves. Mm -hmm. The way that I see God in this last week, even like providing for me, teaching me the things that I need to be taught right now when I need to be using them. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. there's these things like, this is a fishes and loaves moment where I had, mm-hmm. I didn't have what I needed, but in the moment when I needed it, you provided it so specifically, so practically and so perfectly, mm-hmm. just so encouraging that he gives me something so that I can then give away and it's going to grow into full form lives. It's the mysterious, like that growing is the mysterious part but there's no mistaking who the source of it is. That's not mysterious. Right. Very obvious. Just a few verses before that in verse eight, everybody knows this verse, but for me feeling like stretched to my limit, Mm -hmm. it says God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you can excel in every good work. So just thinking about the things that I'm doing right now, every single one of them, I'm doing them because God's given them to me to do, right? Whether they feel like an accident or not. Yes. Because there are definitely things right now that feel like accidents to me. Like how am I, how is this something that's on my plate? Yes. Um, Just the fact that God's able to make every grace overflow to you. Not just like that I'll have enough to get me through the day, but that I will, that's actually going to overflow. Yeah. Like I have enough for me. And then it overflows so that I can do the things that God's given me to do, which that was timely. Yeah. That's so good. So applicable. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.